You are now listening to Random Ramblings with Rob. Yay. Yay. If you like hanging out at Walmart, if you like hanging out in the aisles, if you like talking random stuff, random random things with Rob. Uh, random rambling links with Rob. Yo, yo. Random rambling links with Rob. Walmart talking. What random? What random? Random random Roblings with Rob. Rob 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 Rob. What up, everybody? This your boy, B-Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Rams with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. If you're a brand new listener, I appreciate you very much for giving my show a try. If somebody recommended you to me, give them a crisp high five if you're in the vicinity. If not, you can send it via Skype, uh, Snapchat, uh, Instagram, or however you want to send your social media requests with a uh, high five emojis and whatnot. Um, as per usual, I have a guest with me on this edition of the show. And um, I come across him from um, what I would like to call now, since we've uh, hung out in person and um, exchanged those Chris high fives that I was just telling you about. Um, the guys over there at the Cult 45 podcast, We, um, I told you a couple weeks back about the uh, – H-Town Podfest that we had here in Texas. We all got together. We podcasted. We hung out. We ate Vietnamese French fries, which I said before sounds a little bit racist, but they were delicious nonetheless. Um, we consumed alcoholic beverages. We changed, exchanged uh, buttons and pins and stickers and uh, freaking business cards and whatnot. So um, I'm listening to their show. And um, I hear this gentleman on there um, promoting the movie, um, promoting um, how he feels about the DC and Marvel universes and whatnot. And uh, I I felt like he had a couple of harsh opinions on these things. But um, nonetheless, I I fell into the, um, the, the, the conversation and I went back and I watched one of his movies and I thought, why not discuss this movie even more and some other things? So the director, the writer, the curator of the movie, and there were four, and Love Isn't Enough, I have with me this evening, it was Saquon Jones. <laughs> Yo, what's good, Rob? Thanks for having me. Um, uh, um, I didn't know that you were close to... Um, to write to, um to Randy and Brandon, so now I got to get my guard up because they tried to jump me yeah, on their podcast. You know, oh uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a one on one with Brandon, and then Randy came underneath the ring with the chair, hit me with the hit me in the back, and tried to take the title. But I, I saw him coming, so yeah. <laughs> now I'm ready for you and 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 the one on one Hell in the Cell match right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, your your action is deep, man. I feel like I should have some some oysters and some crawfish in front of me, man. You know, I'm a New Yorker, so uh, to hear how you talk, man, is just uh, it's going to be a trip. You know, I feel like you like Tony Blanchett and Arn Anderson right now. You know, dog, you you hitting me in my my, my childhood right now. I'm a professional wrestler. Yo, I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to test you right now because. You can't truly be a southern a southern gentleman from Louisiana if you don't know who Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson are. So I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to uh, yeah. 
you know, grapple with you a little bit, okay, test I mean, the water, yeah, see Ar- how, how much knowledge you got right yeah. now. Arn Anderson, I mean, the best uh, spine buster is in the, in the business, man. Oh, spine buster. Yo, I'm dealing with a veteran right now. I like that. I like that. I know them, I, now, that I, now that I hear your knowledge, I feel like you might be a worthy adversary of my knowledge that I drop on your podcast. Well, well, don't give me too much credit or whatever. I'm bound to fuck it up sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all are. So don't worry, man. That's that, that's a rite of passage for men, period. Yeah. So um, I, I got to sit down and um, watch. Um, and then there were four. And I thought it, you gave it an interesting twist. I mean, it kind of phased back and forth between um, a show element that you would watch like on the CW or something like that and to like um, the reality of the actual actors within the show and whatnot. But um, before we even touch on your movie and everything, I mean, you're a writer, you're a director and whatnot. You make these films. What was the catalyst for all that? I mean, what got you started? Well, um, I'm I'm I'm. I don't like to say these things, but I'm, I look at myself now and I'm, I see a little gray hair and, I'm, and I look like I'm getting, I'm, I feel like I'm getting like an old man. Now, oh, know? I know. I see so, your Instagram. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I played football in college and I used to box, but I realized, as you know, as I get older, that those things aren't going to bring me riches. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to quit my job and become a professional boxer or, you know, run a four four forty anymore. But uh, one day I had this like sort of self reflection at thirty five years old that I'm gonna work for somebody for the rest of my life. Um, I could do a little, you know, I could do well, but I won't be rich. So what can I do uh, to be rich? And and when I say rich, I'm not talking about just you know monetary gain, but feeling fulfilled in what I love to do, and wake up and, and feel good about that. And the only thing that I knew that I was going to be able to do to be rich was to do what I loved, and that's to make movies and to write. Um, So, you know, my MBA is in finance, but I never had a chance to go to, like, you know, I never grew up in the movie industry. I didn't have the movie background. So I knew that was going to be kind of difficult for me to pull, like, this Sylvester Stallone Mm -hmm. and get funding to be Rocky. So I knew I had to do it myself. Um, so I just looked up, you know, video camera equipment, uh, being in New York, you know, I know a whole bunch of people and I know a whole bunch of actors. So I was like, you know what, let me just buy my own equipment and then, um, you know, recruit the actors. But then I looked up how much the equipment costs and (laughs) I I really, (laughs) and I immediately realized that this is not, you know, this is going to take a true leap of faith, you know? And, um, I was on the train on the way to work and then I was like, you know, this equipment is, you know, $15,000 just for a good camera and, and some lights, you know? Yeah. And I had put it away. And by the time I read the newspaper, my horoscope said, and I will I always wish I had the clip. I clipped it, but I never did. That's just one of my small regrets in life. But the, the clip said, you know, now is not the time to second guess reinvesting in yourself. Hmm. And I knew right there that it was like either Jesus or like, you know, or, or, or Constantine from DC Universe telling me that I needed <laughs> to really, you know, take a leap. And I bought the equipment Then I called up uh, Chadner Ifreen, who I knew um, back in Brooklyn. And then I said, you know, let's do, a, let's do a movie and 
we just went from there. No, um, not to sidetrack you or anything or whatever. You mm-hmm. you bring up Constantine, which I, I think is very funny. Um, that's me and my wife, uh, one of our favorite movies to watch. And, yeah, um, Keanu Reeves. Like, yeah, can you imagine if, if I always thought like Justice League was so terrible, right? But yeah. what if out of the blue, Keanu Reeves comes in and brings back, you know, Clark Kent, come, you know, a dead Clark Kent from the, from, from, from you know, from the dead, and that's the reason why he came back to life in Justice League. But <laughs> yeah, I, I love mean, that, that other movie myself, man. So yeah, everybody you know. is not that creative, though. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why I did. I, that's how I needed to end to do my movie, and I'm a comic book fanatic. So, um, you know, but I knew it was going to be difficult to get money to to produce a movie. So that's why I ended with Four Came to Life. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, we weren't able to have a, a movie that was complete comic book based. So I had to write two stories, um, you know, just based off of budget issues. Uh, so that's one, that's one of the main reasons why the concept went from real life or, you know, real television life to, to fiction life yeah. or comic book life within the movie. Yeah, and um, what you did, which um, I wish uh, professional wrestling would follow the same concept, is like you interwove all the characters into each other throughout the whole story and everything. And uh, you know that's something that's lacking, especially in WWE television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but really, the concept came from the movie Crash. Yeah, you uh-huh. know, it was, you wanted to be. I just wanted to be in a situation where, um, you know, how do you make so many different people connect? Um, I think that um, you being in my age group, age group, you know, our movies used to make us think, you know, and um, but now if if it's not served to you on the platter, you know, people aren't being challenged anymore when they go to watch a movie or if it's too difficult to follow, they turn it off. And I felt like, you know, I wanted to have a story that brings us back to old school writing and putting everybody in together and trying to find a way to actually marry uh, the real life portion to the to the TV show, and you know, I feel like you know, I feel like I did a good job, but that's just completely subjective. So yeah, because it's your baby. You <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, to speak of other movies like that, you bring up Crash. I've seen it. And I, I get the concept and whatnot. But um, another movie that sprung to my mind that I seen. Um, completely by chance, you know, usually, you know, old school, you dag on, you get sick and you stay home from school and, um, and you can't really <laughs> do nothing. I mean, whatever TV you watch is going to be game shows like The Price is Right and all the other junk or some, uh, PBS TV or, you know, whatever movie that may randomly come on TV. And, uh, one that come to my mind is, uh, Two Days in the Valley. And, um, it was just a whole bunch Two of different. Days- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know. I, I I heard of that one. Oh man, if you're telling me that's it, then I feel like I'm, I'm I feel like I'm the movie master. And for me not to recall two days in the valley, I gotta I gotta watch that as soon as this podcast is over, man. Yeah, it came out in '96, and um, I I remember seeing it, and it, it it was like the story was constructed that way. It's like they had all these different characters, they all had their thing going on and whatnot. But somehow, some way, all these characters and all the different dilemmas and issues kind of culminated in all of them coming together in this one scene toward the end, and it all just kind of worked itself out. No, that's, that's on the that's on the list right now, man. And '96 was a good year because I pledged my fraternity, and my son was born that year. So, 
uh, that's probably why I didn't get a chance to watch it. You know, staying up late, uh, changing diapers in, 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 in college and pledging. So that was the year that if that movie came out, then I didn't see it. I had a, a fairly good reason why. Uh, you know, one, one, another reason that it comes to my mind, cause I had, um, Michael Jai White on my show as well. And he was, a uh, one of the characters in that movie. So I brought that up too. And he's like, Oh shit, you pulled that up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, Michael Jai White, I, I first met him, um, playing football on Roosevelt Island. He used to live there and I met him. This is like right after he did Tyson, Mike Tyson biopic. Yeah. People don't remember he was actually playing Tyson in that biopic phase. Yeah, we talked about that. that he did a, yeah, he did a damn good job of that. Yeah, yeah. But like, what other movies that come to your mind that may have even followed that same kind of a concept? Because I, I have a hard time remembering things, but like when people usually talk about stuff, I kind of, oh yeah, now nah, I remember that movie. Had that one guy. Well, <laughs> I'll bring up, since you, since you made a reference towards remembering things, Memento. Ah. So, Memento was a good uh, sort of writing outlet for me to sort of look at. I always loved Christopher Nolan, um, and and his uh, his ability to tell us to write a story from end to beginning was awesome. You know what I mean, and and pull it together. So when you get when you get when you when you grow up with with, with people who are in the spirit to sort of challenge the mind. Um, like movies were in the 80s, then that's what that's what it is. I mean, that's you put me on the spot. Memento is the one, the one movie that comes to mind where you where you get a whole bunch of stories um, that sort of culminate in the end. But I guess in Memento's case, in the beginning and the end. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and there's there's one more I'm gonna bring up before we move on. Is um, it's not, I don't think it's so much follows that same path of um, the series of movies we just finished talking about. But um, the characters are interwoven within the story. It's a movie called Stay. It came out in 2005. And um, I'm not going to give you too much of it, but it's just like you really have to watch this movie and pay attention to the characters because you're going to see some stuff that's going to throw you off in the background of the movie. You know, the main character may be talking to somebody. Then, like in the in the far off in the distance, something crazy in the background is happening. He's like, "Whoa!" It's like um, little things like how in uh, the first Matrix movie, um, when the cat yeah, that's you keep yep. And if you don't catch these things, and I think that I think that these movies now are not challenging us. You know what I mean? I mean, like if the movie does not have a plot where the hero, you know, wakes up has um reaches an adverse moment and overcomes it and that's the end of it you know Mm -hmm. there's no more challenging of the mind anymore where you know you you, i mean you can't even remember oscar best pictures anymore because the movies have been completely dumbed down for us Mm -hmm. uh where they don't challenge our our minds you know you don't have any hitchcocks out there anymore you know steven spielberg um, you know, used to challenge our minds. You had uh Francis Ford Coppola where, you know, he he read he he wrote, you know, The Godfather. And these movies are are still a mainstay today because nothing else that all of the new writers and directors are not really taking uh the content and challenging people because uh, out of fear of, you know, if you have fifty things to watch on TV that if I challenge somebody to watch a movie in the movie theater, they're not going to do it because they just don't want to think anymore. And 
it's kind of an unfortunate in, 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 in the industry is going. And on top of where the industry going, where us in American society is going now, um, because we're not pushing ourselves intellectually for these for, for our cinema choices. Yeah. And um, it goes to what um, me and my wife kind of got into today. Um, I was talking about uh, <laughs> the thing with Marvel and Netflix, you know, how they've been pulling off all the shows like Iron Fist and Daredevil and all these other things. Well, Iron Fist, Iron Fist definitely deserved to be pulled. Like, <laughs> nah, well, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I get, I get you. I mean, everybody I, I was defending it for a while or whatever, but I look at it as like, I mean, yes, it could have been way better than what it was, but I just took it as it was just a piece in the bigger um, picture, you know to make the whole that universe just a bit, little bit bigger you know they kind of needed that character and they just did with, with what they had they did a shitty job <laughs> but they did a job well I mean they didn't do a shitty job it was just that the main character and I, I mean I don't want to bust on actors and, and I don't want to sort of toot my own my own whistle but when 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 we finish rapping you know part of our desire to to, to do and there were four was that we saw at the time we were filming Luke Cage was out or it just came out. Uh, Iron Fist had, um, you know, Luke Cage was at the tail end of Luke Cage and Iron Fist had just come out. Um, Daredevil, all of their fight scenes were so, the stories were great, but the fight scenes were horrible. And, and all of the defenders, even Jessica Jones, um, it's like they, they went, for actors who couldn't even throw punches and for us to be able to do the fight scenes that we did for this movie um, in comparison to the fight scenes in, in those def- in, in Defenders or all of the Mar- or the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Netflix outside of Punisher, I felt like that was a, a great achievement for us, you know, because, you know, if you look at it from a small scale, what the what, what Netflix tried to do with the Defenders is basically a small scale Justice League. Yeah, I mean, sorry, a, a small scale Avengers because they put the Punisher, they put uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage, um, Jessica Jones, and Iron, and Iron Fist all together, and then put them into one movie. But I just I just couldn't get into them because the fight scenes were so terrible you know yeah and then like i kind of figure that the characters that they had you know other than the punisher and the uh daredevil um they kind of relied on their strength that's why the freaking moves weren't as crisp. because i mean if luke realistically if luke cage hits you once i mean i mean what does he need to know how to do a back Handspring corkscrew kick? Nah, motherfucker just need to hit you once. <laughs> Jessica Jones, the yeah, same but, thing. You know, but, but the they could have made it look better. The scene in Luke Cage was terrible. He puts on a hoodie and he picks up a couch and now he's in a car door in the in in the drug dealing drug den. You know, of the the Carter of the the of Harlem again. You know, like mm-hmm. that fight scene was just bad and. You know, to look at what they what to look at what they brought up with just such a big budget. Even if you had major strength issues, because you can sort of hide um, strength, um, but it was almost up there with like 1970s Luke Ferrigno, you know, level uh, stiffness with those fight scenes. So, um, but that might be my mar- that might be part of my Marvel bias. So. 
uh, yeah, that's that's that. That was my my idea on why I couldn't fully engage. I mean, as a comic book fan, I watched those movies, but I couldn't. I mean, those shows, but I couldn't fully engage in them because of of the fight scenes were just terrible. Yeah, I mean, as far as fight scenes in the movie go, uh, what are some of your top picks? For all right, so for for fight scenes in movies, or do you want to? Because I mean, we can go comic book movies, or we can go movies, and I can. So I need a little bit direction from the great Rob, you know. Okay, you can't just give me. You can't. If you can't. If you can't just send me a steak. Give me two steaks and not tell me what's the seasoning on the steaks, man. Come on. Well, the seasoning. You got to let me know. The seasoning would be hooks, rubs, and spices, which you can get 10% off your order if you use promo code 3RSHOW on Etsy.com. <laughs> so that's going to be the seasoning right off top for anything. <laughs> all right. First of all, let me, let me I got to ask you a couple questions, man. Are you a Marvel DC guy? I mean, you went to Constantine, so you got my juices flowing, making me think you're a DC guy, but that might be you trying to rope it over. Well, see, this is the you thing. I, I'm, a, I'm, um, I'm just on the side of what I like. Now, with that, I'll give you a background on me as far as Marvel DC goes. I'm not a comic book reader. I haven't read any of the comic mm-hmm. book. I mean, I know the lore from people who have read the comic books and just a little bit of independent research that I've done on my own, you know, just looking in the characters, you know, not through the comic book stuff, but just researching online and everything like that. So I know bits and pieces of lore from the characters that I like. Now, as far as movies go, DC and Marvel and everything, I lean more towards Marvel. But there's a lot of DC stuff I like. I mean, Michael Keaton is my Batman, but freaking um the dude who does the voice in the Batman animated series, that's the voice I hear in my head anytime I hear a Batman character. Oh, yeah. Convoy. <laughs> yeah, Convoy. Ke- Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then. No, he's great. I mean, it, I've, have you. Have you watched those ninety those nineteen nineties uh, Batman shows um, animated series? Yeah, you watch them more. Yeah, when it was actually oh, on. Amazing. Yeah, when it was actually on TV, that's when I was watching them. And then um, I had surgery a couple years back, and I was just laid up, and I just decided to go through and watch them all again within the past three years. And I mean, they still hold up to me. Yeah, no, man. You know, uh, uh, they're on they're all on Amazon right now. Yeah. So if you have like a Prime membership, you get to watch them for free. But then when you know, like I couldn't really fully embrace them uh, when they came out in the nineties. You know, because you know I was in high school when they came out. So mm. um, you know, you watch them because you watch them. But as an adult, if you watch it now, you get such a great appreciation for the writing and the. The, this emotional Batman and and the characters and I when when I when I watched them as a grown man, I wanted to do so much more research because you know the reason why they actually canceled the series no. was because not because of any monetary issues they just ran out of ideas mm. uh, because they explored so much of Batman and everything he was that they didn't want to start messing up the storylines by putting in you know, bullshit episodes just to feed into, um, you know, people wanting to watch. Yeah. And that's another another thing, too. mm -hmm. I mean, do you think um, a lot of shows would benefit from uh, adopting that thing or whatever? Just like just say you have a a story from A to Z and um, you can knock it out in maybe, let's say, a season or maybe even two. I mean, is that a good plan just to 
hey, this is only going to be a two season run, or this is going to be a limited run, well, and this is the story. It depends on what you. It depends on what you are. are you know, you can't do that to a Catman like a Batman, a character like Batman, because he's so emotionally. Uh, people are emotionally invested in that character. Mm-hmm. That if you do it for two seasons, then they'll revolt, you know. But if you do it on a on, on a level, say like a Constantine, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like uh, you know DC is pushing very hard with their animated movies of him right now, then you can definitely get away with Constantine. Mm-hmm. And um, if you uh, want to do something with Constantine, would be good because he's not a fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. You you can hide a lot of his 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 uh if you do a, a TV show you can hide any flaws in the actor's you know combat ability or hand to hand combat because Constantine's character just isn't a fighter you know he fights if he has to yeah um but he he uses his intellect he uses you know um his ability to use magic and the storylines would drive that type of show much better but to answer your original question um. I, I've, if, you, if we're going to go action, you have to start watching Thailand movies. You know, if you, mm-hmm. if you watch The Raid, The Raid 2. Oh, yes. You watch uh, A Night Comes For Us, which is available on Netflix. Um, if you see the work of like a Gareth Evans or all of these Thai movie directors, you know that they are doing violence in a way that is so creative and and gruesome <laughs> like yeah. don't forget the gruesome part but they're doing violence and action in a way that is so you know creative that you know anything thailand thailand based action movies are really killing it right now you know and mm-hmm. um there's a complete difference between thailand based action movies which is which is more reality based than say the chinese market um, or the Chinese movie, which is completely, you know, them flying in the air on some crouching tiger, hidden dragon yeah. type of, you know, and it looks, and it's a it's good storyline, but it looks very cheesy. But if you really want to go anything action, if you're going, uh, if you're willing to expand your mind, you can go everything Asia, everything Asia based. I would rank Thailand action first, then I would rank uh, South Korea action. Uh, second, um, Japan, Japanese action is kind of, uh, since the nineties, they've, they've come away from it. Um, when they had the Yakuza, any Yakuza or triad based movies. Um, and then it would be, you know, any Chinese based action movies, um, right now are destroying anything action based American, you know, America, uh, is putting out right now. And when you look at for what America's doing, like, our our action based movies are completely comic book based. Yeah. You know, there are no lethal weapons anymore. There are no um uh Beverly Hill cops. Yeah. You know, where you're you're having a gunfight and uh, you know, these dudes are battling out and we don't it's just like that portion of what we did, even with Arnold Schwarzenegger with Predator, Die Hard all of that stuff is gone now if it's not a comic book movie and that's that's very unfortunate yeah. and then some um, of the stuff that you um, mm-hmm. brought up outside of the comic book stuff i mean they have brought back <laughs> like predator and freaking uh 
they have the lethal uh, weapon. What uh, they did TV to Predator was criminal, bro. Like, yeah. oh god. Yeah. Like, I, I remember. I'm such a movie head that I remember Predator and Die Hard came out when I was 10 years old. And as a 10 year old, Rob, I'm, I shit you not. I watched those movies rated R by myself mm. in a movie theater. I bought a ticket in Queens, New York, to watch those movies. <laughs> and what they did to Predator, what they did, to, what they did to Die Hard. Uh, literally, there should be somebody in jail. There should be a Bob Mueller <laughs> of the of the of the movie industry investigating these people for doing what they did to Predator and putting them in jail. Uh, you know, right now it's just terrible. Yeah, I didn't think it was all that bad, but it was like it once it started, it didn't stop. It was just like quick one liners. I mean, it was like not a lot of time spun on dialogue <laughs> at all. Dogs, bro, come on, the predator yeah. girl dogs. Like, <laughs> like I mean, it could have it could have did without some things. I'm just saying, but it was a high <laughs> <right> movie. <laughs> I found out oh, about them. Man. I found out about them damn dogs from um the Funko Pops because somebody showed me a picture of this thing and it had like the predator predator logo on there. I was like, what the fuck is that? I don't remember that from none of the movies. Then I was like, yeah, was nah. it in Predators with uh, Adrian Brody? Then I was like, because they did have oh, those. Oh, no, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was that wasn't that one. That was actually, yeah, that was good. That's a sleeper right there. That's yeah. a sleeper. And all right, and speaking of like kind of offshoots or whatever films or whatever, Predators was like still a Predator movie, but it was kind of different. Uh, what do you think about Term- Terminator Salvation? Oh, man, Terminator Salvation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the helicopter scene was amazing. I can point out mm-hmm. certain points where they do you for a twist where you had um, the Terminator thinking he's human and yeah. he realizes he's a, he's a Terminator. I, I, Terminator Salvation would be one of those movies where if if you if it's if you snowed in, it would be your version of of the Two Valley movie. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like if you you if you sick from school. And you look at it, and Terminator Salvation is on. You'll definitely watch it, yeah. um, and, and you'll like it. But it would be something that you have to be reminded of. It's not great, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator, mm-hmm. but then it's not terrible, like what we got with Danny Glover. So they don't stick out to you. You know what I mean? Like, like movies stick out to you if they're great or terrible. And that Terminator Salvation is so, so like leftover lasagna good <laughs> that you don't remember <laughs> that, you, you know, it's, it, you don't remember it because it's leftover lasagna on a Wednesday, but everybody remembers that dry ass Turkey or that delicious Turkey, yeah. you know, at, at Thanksgiving dinner, um, but they don't remember the greatness of the leftover lasagna, and and that's what Terminator Salvation is, you yeah. know. I, th- I mean, I wanted more of that because um, there was originally, from what I remember or heard, they was supposed to do that in a trilogy. It was supposed because those were like, yeah, um, mm-hmm. it was like future prequels in a way or whatever. Because I mean, the robots did come from the future to go to the past, and that's how we got the original films and whatnot. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, like I, I, the thing is, right, is that there, that movie is not, it wasn't enough, it wasn't iconic as the first Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger 
where he breaks into a sporting goods store and now you see his Nike shoe, you know, underneath the floor and and that have you remember that 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 sort of scene. Um but so it didn't do enough to warrant a a um that the, the trilogy, you know what I mean? But it was good enough at the start. But I think that Christian Bell sort of bailed out. Go. On, he didn't yeah. want to do it. He didn't want to do it. Yeah. Bell um, bailed. <laughs> but but it was just like, um what really got me in that movie was when they had the uh the Arnold doubled at the end. That that's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The C E I of Arnold young Arnold from eighty four, yeah. Yeah, that was great. And then, um, which, did you see Genesis? Yeah, oh, Genesis was terrible. Oh my gosh, man! <laughs> like, I, I don't think I even finished. I don't, I, I don't think I could even finish watching that. You know, like it was just so bad um, that I just couldn't even. I couldn't even look at it. Uh, but if you, did you see? What about the one? What did you think of the one with the, the female tournament? Yeah, that was a three. People forgot that was that she even existed. You know? Yeah, because um, that was the weird one. Because they, I think they had multiple in that one as well. Because they had the uh, Asian cop robot deal, and then they had a girl robot deal. I don't know. That that one was weird. And then it was just like they got stuck in the mountain, and then the big bomb went off. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And you didn't know what to, and now you have, you know, uh, this drug addicted John Connor who just so happens to know how to operate 1950s or 1940s nuclear bomb reactor, uh, technology. Um, well, but he couldn't. You know, he 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 knew how to he knew how to do that and and to rig an ATM machine in Terminator Two, yeah. Uh, but couldn't get his life together because he was a drug addict. Like they destroyed it. It was just bad, man. So I, you know, part of my motivation for 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 me to do movies is because I didn't want to coddle the American, you know, um, audience anymore. I feel like you know we have dumbed down pretty much everything including our, our movie choices. And I was like, you know what? I want to put together something like this movie that challenges us, uh, that gives you a good action base and, and gives you, you know, black superheroes on, on a level, um, that you can, you know, relate to as a, as a minority. Mm -hmm. Uh, and at the time we were filming black lightning wasn't out on TV, you know, and Luke Cage had just, you know, started. So my motivation was hopefully, you know, someone from WB Warner Brothers or, or, or Disney would see that, you know, we were able to do great fight scenes mm -hmm. um, without a major budget and see if they knock on the door. Um, Brandon and Randy of the Cold 45 podcast, they weren't able to get me that opportunity. So I'm hopefully Rob from Louisiana. Uh, you know, his, I'm his, trying. I'm trying. Listening base is so vast that once they see in there were four, that they'll give me a shot. I, I would hope so. I'm I'm trying, man. I mean, if anything, <laughs> you know, people have come on this show many times and they ask me, "Well, what do I want this show to be?" And that's exactly what I want the show to be. Is I want it to be on the level of like, "Oh man, you heard that dude on Rob's show? 
That that's all I want. I mean, I don't give it. I don't give a damn if anybody hear what I say. I want people to hear what the guests have to say. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, my motivation was um, I was hoping to get into movies so that I could walk down the street and then two girls would just say, "You know what? We want to take you to bed, Saquon." You know. <laughs> hey man, <laughs> so, that's a dream. You know, I that's guess, a dream. I guess on a weird level, you make me feel bad for wanting my for, for my motivation to be completely primal, and yours is you know completely. Um, Philanthropic, you know, and I feel bad now. Thanks a lot, Rob. Well, no, I mean, that benefits me as well because, I mean, I do have that similar dream, but I'm married, so it would be more of a thing that I can make enough money to where I don't have to work that way I can stay home and do the nasty with my wife more often <laughs> well you know since you're going to turn it down you you have my number you could be like you know what I can't I can't take it but here's a guy who's definitely I, willing exactly and he can make and a, if you he can make a stylistic film that, with it too huh? As in, then I can be like, yeah, and he can make a stylistic film with it, too, if you want. I mean, no extra charge. <laughs> but my imagination is so crazy that, you know, I would think that, Rob, that you were setting me up. And then now I wake up with the two ladies. And now after it's all said and done, there are two dead bodies in my bed. And now I got to explain this to the cops. And now my journey now, to clear my name begins. You no, know? see, I, I wouldn't go that far. It would just be more the long lines. <laughs> you you pass out after uh, a, a evening of... Uh, satisfaction and one to put you in the figure four and another having a triangle and that's when Brennan and Randy would come in and hit you with the elbows and everything. <laughs> oh, this was their way of, of lowering, you know, lowering my defenses so they could take the title away from me. Yeah, nah, exactly. See, I've seen that coming, man. I've seen it coming. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, um, yeah, did ahead. you get a chance to watch uh, In There For? Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I did. I would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, but if you're going to tell me your thoughts, you got to give me complete Louisiana you know, hardcore, don't hold back analysis. All right. right? So I would love to hear what you thought of the movie. I've watched, uh, I only watched it one time. Um, I -hmm. had to watch it in um, sections or whatever, because I mean, I'm I'm not trying to dime myself up, but I watched it while I was at work. Um, So (laughs) I can, you know, I gave it as much attention as I could for the circumstances that I was in. But um, mm-hmm. I th- overall, I thought it was good. It was something different, you know. It's like it's kind of what you were saying. It was um, I've seen a lot of what's here now, and it was nothing like what's here now, you know. So um, yeah, we were, and and just to give you an idea, uh, at the end of the movie, the bank scene actually happened to us in real life. I'm not sure if you got a chance to uh, watch it on the past the end credits but there's a picture of me and um my two friends uh terry and sean hines um they're actual lawyers and we went to a football game and um, this was like right after the uh george zimmerman uh incident with trayvon martin um we were leaving the football game they were giving away baseball caps but it just so happens that it was raining that day and we all, you know, we dressed according to the weather. So yeah. you have, you know, me having an MBA and, you know, working in finance. And you got two lawyers, which is Terry and Sean. Um, Terry, Terry's one of my closest friends. And, and I based the character of Terry in the movie off of him in real life. So we were leaving this football game and Terry, you know, had to deposit checks because he's a lawyer. Sean was in, in Sean was in law school at the time. He's he's a little younger than both Terry and I. 
when he was in law school, he like last year of law school, um, and, and studying for the bar at the time. So we tell you how to deposit checks. And we just saw this lone white guy. I don't even know. I look back at it now and we still talk about it to this day. Like we could, we, I think they took the ATM machine away because it was like in a secluded area in Coney Island. Mm-hmm. And it was still, Coney Island hadn't been, you know, completely gentrified as it is now today. Um, but we were walking back to the car and we saw this lone white guy and, and at this Chase Bank and Terry is like, yo, I'm going to deposit these checks. And this was like literally right after Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman. And we were seeing that we had, it was raining and we had hoodies on. We had the baseball caps that they gave us at the film, at the movie, all the, all the, and, all, and I, we didn't even think that there were going to be any, uh, you know, television cameras around at the time. So all the ATM footage we see would be this white man getting his money and then three shadowy black dudes yeah. in the back of him, you know, waiting in line for Terry to deposit these checks. So, you know, we, we didn't want to, um, and here it is that even from our standpoint, you know, all of us were fathers, all of us own property, all of us own businesses. and this white man would have just seen three shadowy black dudes in the back of him. Yeah. Uh, and even if we, even if we looked at this objectively, you know, as black men, you know, if, if something happened, would we be able to, to make this man feel like uh, he should have, if he was armed, you know, that he should not have taken the gun out. So that, that portion of the story actually happened to us. Uh, obviously the, the, the fantastical moments are what happened at the ATM machine. I don't want to give away the story. Yeah. Hopefully people go out and watch and they were four and see what happens at that ATM machine. But up until that very moment, we were all, that really happened to us in real life. And what I wanted, one of the part of the motivation for, for and there were four was I was going to make a movie about that happening to us in real life. And then I always wanted to make a black comic, uh, you know, a comic book movie with black characters. Um, and, but I didn't want to, I didn't have enough money or enough story to do both. Yeah. Um, I mean, to do them separately. So I, I came up with the storyline to do them both at the same time. Um, and then marry the two and, you know, marry my passion for comic books and then marry you know, this actually happening to us. So if you get to ever get a chance uh, to go back and watch, just fast forward to the past the credits, you'll see a picture of me, Terry, and Sean at that, at that football game that night that we took a selfie and we always go reflect on that ATM moment that if that man was armed and, and, and Terry uh, wanted you know, if, if we didn't convince Terry not to deposit those checks and this guy was armed and he shot us, that that would have been the last picture in our cell phones of that night. So, the, you know, that whole 18 machine was, is, was real. And to see it play out, you know, still to this day, as I write it, just I, it brings me back to that night. And it's kind of terrible to say that this white man would have killed us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure <laughs> maybe he was the, uh, an angel white dude. Um, yeah. But, you know, at this, <laughs> you know, at, at this t- point in time, you know, like in that situation, 
you know, you can't be, you know, too sure, you know, if, if, if this guy is armed or if he's not. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah. I totally understand that. It's just like, um, the reality bits of, uh, the movie and everything is just like, like, like you were saying, it's pretty much two movies within one. I like how you transition in between the two. It, like you have a scene of dialogue and everything and, you know, whatever happens in that scene happens. And then somebody can be looking at TV and the show, um, will be on the TV and then it would transition to the show through the TV and everything. I, I did enjoy those bits of the film. And then, um, as far as, you know, them talking to each other, the dialogue, it was just like you're hitting all the points <laughs> that's uh, happening to black people, you know, like um, the whole scene that you was just mentioning about the ATM and all that. It was just like they were it, it was very conscious. It was like we know the gravity of this situation is three black guys in hoodies walking down the street. So, I mean, how you think this is going to look to somebody else? So, yeah. And, then, uh, and it's unfortunate that, you know, society, these images um, have, have, have programmed even black people to, you know, look at each other um, and, and, and in a way where I can't wear a hoodie, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or if I wear a hoodie, then, you know, when you listen to rap for the last 30 years, and you're looking at, you know, any imagery of black males being criminal, uh, you know, criminal um, elements, um, you know, you wonder when you wonder why these these why we think like this. You know what I mean? It's because the images that we're getting fed constantly are promoting that that's what we see. So, you know, when you when you even now, as as we as we look at images of cops killing black people or non-black people and most of those cops are white men and you know when you see like you know uh instances in florida with george zimmerman or or you know people um with these mass shootings you know these images are gearing us to believe that if it's a white man with a gun you know chances are he's going to be a mass killer or he's going to kill black people Mm -hmm. and i know that white people or white men aren't all killing black people but you see it so much that it influences your subconscious yeah uh to believe on both sides that the white man is is going to kill somebody with this gun and on on the black side that we are looking to you know rob and steal if we have hoodies on as opposed to it being either just a fashion or, or weather choice, you know? Yeah. So it's unfortunate that these, these things are, 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 um, being a part of our evaluation process. If we see each other walking down the street. Now, th- this is what I found. I was going through while you was, um, talking and everything. Um, when I watched the movie, I live tweeted it. So I sent you the tweet transcript uh, to your DMs on Twitter so you can look at it later. But I'm going to go through what I had. Um, I took the post that the Cult 45 podcast put up about your interview and I retweeted mm-hmm. it. And this is where I started. So the first tweet I got is uh, at eight minutes and 50 seconds. And then again, at 19 minutes and uh, 20 seconds into the movie. Um, yams. So they had uh, at eight minutes and 50 seconds, I had this uh, nice looking young lady that came through and it was a nice uh, shot of the buttocks that I saw. <laughs> so I had to tweet about that. Right. And then right. uh, at 19 minutes and 20 yeah. seconds, it was another nice looking young female with a nice shot of the yams as well. So I had to tweet that. 
Oh man, like I that wasn't our goal to I know. I'm just (laughs) I just want to make sure that, you know, that that the, the, your listeners aren't going to be like, you know, Saquon actively put, you know, buttocks yeah. uh, in the movie. No, um, th- this is just my crude sense of humor. That's all it is. So nah, th- this, nah, is, this is not a reflection of the movie. But <laughs> <laughs> so my next. No, tweet. but I get it, though. You know, if we wanted to show someone back, we didn't want to show, you know, someone like. You know, some some you don't want to see my ass. My ass is yeah. completely fat, flat, and square. Yeah. So if you you don't want to see me walking, and if you if we had to have someone driving the story, then you know, yeah. those two young actresses were were you know where we would want to be. Yeah. All right. Uh, twenty one <laughs> minutes and well, twenty one minutes and thirty one seconds into the film. Also, Dick knows. Uh, one of the characters in your film, he had his no, he had a nose that looked like a penis to me, so I had to tweet that out. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, do you who, who, who do you can you tell me who's the character? Like, just can you tell me what he looks like? What he has on? Uh, I, I think it was the dude behind the. Um, this early on in the movie is twenty one minutes and uh, thirty one seconds, so I think it was the um, first introduction to the um, dude with the gun, the white guy. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Yep. All right, I got you. All right. So uh, my next tweet was, uh, in case y'all haven't noticed, I'm live tweeting the movie right now. And then I put an Amazon link up to your film. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, 32 minutes and 10 seconds. Them accents. LOL. That's when um <laughs> they had to shift, had shift in the um, freaking apartment and he was making them do the accents and everything. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, Rashad is actually a comedian. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, but, um, uh, you know, I write a lot, so I do a lot of writing for stand up and comedy and everything like that. Richard, uh, used to, when he was hosting, um, an open mic in Harlem and I met him and, uh, you'll never see a more talented fellow, man. Like he's just talent, oozing talent. He does, you know, comedy. He can do, uh, drama. He can fight. Like he's just an all around awesome dude, man. So, you know, when when I found out he's able to do accents, we had to put that in the we had to that actually <laughs> that scene was improv yeah. right then and there. And so that was awesome. And it was brilliantly done because it was like the telepath was making him do the accent. So that was Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. Yep. Uh, and and I actually based Scholar off of Batman. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he, he is what I would see if 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 there was a Batman. You know what I mean? Um I think that if a man, if a black man, especially a black man who had such intellect as say Bruce, had, had the vast amount of, in, not if, because there are tons of black men with the intellect of Bruce Wayne. Um, but if you have a character like that, I feel like he would grow up in the church and be conflicted constantly yeah. about, you know, his, his ideas of what is real and what he believes in. And, and, and that would base his whole conflict um of how he came about yeah. and you know in the black community the church is really big so you know i wanted to i, I felt that if there was somebody like that he would definitely be in conflict with his belief in god and, and his abilities yeah. as a as a as a, as a mutant mm-hmm. or um you know a human a human with enhanced powers that that is what his conflict would be yeah and i think it was a uh, yeah i think it was also pointed out somewhere in the film as well too um 
Let's see. 33 minutes and nine seconds. Awkward pause. That, I think that was a point of the scene to where he was saying that uh, Schiff was like, um, yes, I find attractive oh. women. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, I got, yeah. and then everybody looked at him. It was just like an awkward pause. So I noted that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We wanted to, you know, like I said, um, I wanted to sort of hit every, uh, when they show black, when we see black men, you know, on television, it's either completely feminized or it's completely criminalized, mm-hmm. you know? So I wanted to have these images and showing that, you know, you can, you can have individuals who are within the, the LBGTQ community, but it doesn't have to have them in high heels. Like I just saw a picture of Tiki Barber in, <laughs> in, in high heels today because I think he took over the, the starting role in Kinky Boots. Mm. And, you know, I wanted to show that, you know, you can, you can have black characters, um, you know, fit these, these, you know, these demographics without completely making us feel as though they're either ridiculously feminized or ridiculously criminalized. And, and that was one of the major um, drives, uh, the imagery of black men for, for me within the writing. Yeah. And then that's an interesting way to do it as well, because, I mean, if that person has those type of feelings and, you know, a lot of people have like the identity crisis, you know, it's like I'm a man, but I'm I really feel like a woman and everything. So he gets to fulfill this need through his powers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and and I wanted to express that, that you can we can have you, you can have people within the community in your movies and, and them, you know, completely act on on these feelings. But you don't have to put us in in drag. You don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, Wesley Snipes, Fu Manchu, chew us where you know you completely have us in wigs. Yeah. You don't have to RuPaul us. Oh, that Vin Rains movie. <laughs> you know, and and that's what that's what's happening to the imagery of black men, and, and probably eighty percent of our all of our images that we see on TV, music, and media. Okay, all right, thirty-seven minutes and four seconds. Cutie pie. <laughs> it was another nice female <laughs> on the screen. Um, yeah, she, she, um, she, she, uh, she was, um, in our, um, you're talking about, you're talking about the, the girl captive in the basement, correct? No, um, this is a little bit further. I think it was somebody, um, just walking by somebody in the bar or something like that. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. All right, 40 minutes and six seconds. I got a gif of a guy walking down the street because there's a lot of walking in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not a whole bunch. It's, it's not as much walking as love isn't enough. Trust me. Uh, yeah. Randy and Brandy. Randy, Ra- Brandon and Randy, uh, they watch Love Isn't Enough too. And um, we talked about it on that podcast. Uh, and I did not realize how much walking I put in the movie until mm-hmm. they pointed it out. So... If, in comparison, you won't see how much it is in that one as you do in this one. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. In uh, 42 minutes, even I put silence. I forget what was happening in that scene, but like nobody was talking. It was just like a a, a bit of silence. Just, I think somebody said something and everybody was just like, mm, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, I got to look at where you at. I'm, I'm trying to mentally draw um, a picture and the progression of the movie. Uh, and I can't, I can't get that one right there. So, but when, once we get off this podcast, I'll definitely fast forward to 42 minutes. 
All right. See what that's all about. Forty-seven minutes and fifty seconds. The more you know. That's when um he was breaking down the theory about the twins and everything. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, um, how did you feel about? Did you? Um, it was it's crazy because that's my most awkward po- component. Um, a lot of people sort of have a you know they 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 either love or hate it. There's no in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to remix our historical figures, um, you know, throughout history and making them into superheroes. So uh, that was a, that's a completely, you know, based on the feedback I get, people either love that or they hate it. It's no in between with that portion of it. All right. Well, I didn't hate it. I thought it was um, something different. And, you know, Mm-hmm. What, what we was talking about earlier. I mean, a lot of this stuff is formulaic. I mean, it's, it all falls in the same category or whatever, but this was something different. And I wasn't opposed to the idea because, I mean, I don't read a lot, but when I do read things, I like to read stuff that's kind of like out of the realm of normal. So, like, I think one of the um, books that I've read in the past was um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. So, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that was pretty good because it was different i mean it actually gave his life's history with vampires sprinkled all over it or whatever so i mean i enjoyed that shit the movie was a different subject but i mean the book was okay (laughs) yeah uh the movie i actually thought that 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 was actually a sleeper hit for me you know um i actually enjoyed that movie uh i i don't i I wish they probably did a part two yeah um but it's crazy how you know that's another movie that's like right that's lasagna, you know what yeah. I mean? Next day lasagna. It's not, you know, it's not great like a turkey. It's not bad like a turkey, but it's lasagna where you don't really remember it until somebody brings it up in a conversation yeah. and you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's pretty high right there. Yeah. See, the only thing that kind of spoiled it for me was because I, I read the book prior to the movie. So I, I read the okay. book, I dug the book, and then I seen it was making a movie. I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. And then it was like, all right, it's it's all right. I see what they did because there was no like his homeboy, the um, black character, uh, Falcon or whatever. He wasn't in the book. It was a it was another white guy. So I mean, they ch- they changed up a lot of stuff for the movie's sake, which it wasn't a bad choice to go that route. But it was way mm-hmm. different in the book. Um, also, we still on the twins thing. I went to forty nine minutes and thirty four seconds. Uh, my thought after hearing the whole breakdown of the twins thing and everything, what I tweeted was. The twins thing kind of reminds me of Hancock. So I put a gif up with it as well as when um, Will Smith um, was um, talking with old girl. I forget her name. And uh, she was like, uh, uh, Charlie, Charlie. Theron. Yeah. Whenever we are, uh, whenever we were built, we were built in twos. And so um, mm-hmm. we are automatically drawn to each other. So that's. Oh, man. You know what? I didn't even. I actually reminded me of that. You know, maybe that, that maybe seeing that movie sort of subconsciously influenced the writing. Um, because now that you're reminding me of that, that, that makes total sense. You know what I mean? From, from Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. I mean, from Hancock. Yeah. Cause like, uh, cause when the characters mm-hmm. were just going through the breakdown of the twins and how, you know, they always try to find each other. I mean, I just like, I remember that scene in the movie. And I was like, Hancock. And that's. When it came to me at forty nine minutes and thirty four seconds, <laughs> yeah, no, jeez, uh, man, like that's that's completely enlightening right there, man. I'm trying to figure out if that was, uh, you know, if that influenced any of what I did. So I, I gotta, I gotta go into the to the archives and 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 and, and figure that out. 
All right, now we go to 52 minutes and 37 seconds. King. So it's yeah. the, the conversation when they was in the office. He's like, nah, man, I don't say that. Yeah. I say king. Yep. <laughs> and I grew up on that word. You know, I grew up on the N word. Yeah. And, um, you know, now that um, you the, the lines are completely blurred with the N word, um, where everybody is trying to use it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to, uh, there's no, there's no, um, there's no past that you can give now. You know what I mean? So I, we have to get away from using it so that we can actually, you know, um, you know, confront anyone who does use it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I wanted to sort of get away from using the word, the N word now. And, and if, if, if we as, you know, black men are calling each other King that we can't accept, uh, someone like Louis C.K. doing um, stand-up and, and saying the N-word, even if it's in a comedic, you know, manner, yeah. you know? Um, um, yeah, I let I let it go a long time ago because, like, I mean, I said it heavily as a kid. I mean, I, f- I even knew when I was saying it that it was kind of wrong, but it just wound up becoming yeah. plain speak, you know, in conversation and whatnot. But um, when I joined the military at 18, it was just like, I mean, that's a no-fly. You can't say that word anyway. So, I mean, I mean, people still do it, but like ever since then, I stopped saying it or, you know, I've minimized the uses of the word. So, yeah, no, I, I, I don't say it as I don't I'm I, I'm completely conscious of saying it mm-hmm. when I'm pissed off. Like it, it comes back like a like an accent, though. You yeah, know I, mean? I got I'm not you. Sure how, <laughs> I'm not sure how you've ever dated a, a Korean woman from the Caribbean. Um where they can hide their accent, but if you get them mad, yeah. then they will bring it out. You know what I mean? And, and that's what the N word is for me now. Yeah, it's it's. I'm completely conscious of it. I hide the I, I hide the fact that I use it. But if I'm pissed, if I'm looking at something on the television, mm-hmm. and you know, there's so much shit on TV now that makes you mad now. Yeah, um, that it, it will come out. In, in in completely emotional situation. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah. I, so I can give you my instances or whatever. In the um, the existence of me podcasting within the, almost um, the past three years, there's only been three recorded incidents of me using the N word on the show. One was mm-hmm. on this very show to where I was telling a story that happened w- way back when I was in use of the N word, you know, frequently. So when I went mm-hmm. back into my memory to tell this story, I said the N word because I was reliving that moment. So then another time I was a guest on the uh, hashtag blackout podcast and um, there was we was reviewing a song or something like that. And um, I said that in response to, you know, they were talking about it and the, the N word was in the thing that we were talking about. So I, I said it in response to what we were talking about. And then mm-hmm. the third time was most recently at the um, podcast fest when um I was there with Brandon and all them for the Coke 45 thing. It was on the raw cast. And um I said it and I forgot why I even said it. And then um I said the same thing I just said to you. This is only the third recorded time in history that you ever heard me say the N word. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll come out when you're around, when you're comfortable, you yeah. know what I mean? You 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 around your peoples, it'll definitely come out. Um, but I think that now 
the now that as I'm, as I'm an older man, um, the word it, it kept us, it keeps us down. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So if we had King, um, and especially now as a writer, I know how powerful words are. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it it's an determined endearment, but on a subconscious level, it is completely a a a a word that has kept us down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and if you were, if I, I wonder where we would be if we were taught King instead of the N word, yeah. you know what I mean? Like how different our imagery would be. I just came back from South Africa mm-hmm. and all of their, I, I was in Johannesburg and all of their imagery on television, the word is only present in music, you know, but if yeah. you look at their movies and their television, the word isn't present at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you see people. You, I would if I if I grew up watching that imagery on TV. My sense of beauty, my sense of attraction, my sense of of, of all of those things would be completely different. I mean, you being from Louisiana, you know what a, a, a beautiful Creole woman Oof. looks like. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> um, but. If you saw South African TV, you know what I mean? You would have a completely different mindset of how, you know, kinky hair and dark skin is viewed. Mm. Um, not to say that you don't now, but if you saw what I'm seeing on them now, is that they don't even wear makeup in a lot of their movies, you know what I mean? Mm. They, the weed is, is at a weed, like a, I saw so many more women who had natural hair and, 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 and braids and bald head than I did who had weaves and, and eyelashes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So our 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 attraction level will be so different had we had a chance to to see these things. And I think that part of me writing King instead of the M word is is my hope that we change that vernacular so that we're we're addressing each other in power yeah. as a instead of using that word, even though we did great by switching the meaning of it you know it still holds it back a bit yeah it's just like i just don't use it i choose not to use it but like what you said mm-hmm. um only besides those other three instances that i stated it's just like there's been a couple times within the past you know couple of years to where <sighs> it was something so stupid so Dumb that was done that it just came out like without even thinking about it. It just like it, <laughs> yeah, it, it enveloped yeah. me. It was just like I'm here now. I'm saying it. <laughs> and it's just like, but you know, in those moments, even though you, you you they still feel good. You know what I mean? They still feel like oh wow. It's like it's like it's like drink. It's like it's like having a good drink. You know what I mean? Sometimes no. you know you know. You know you shouldn't be drinking, but it, uh, uh, you know you feel good when you have a good one. You know, <laughs> no nah, man, so. it's just like for, for me, it's almost the opposite because like it stings me, man. I don't because like I said, because to me, I'm like I'm I'm better than this. I don't need to be saying this, but I see something so damn stupid, and it just yeah, yeah. I don't it I don't even it doesn't even register in my brain to after I hear myself say it. It's just like somebody took me mm-hmm. over, they said the word, then they left, <laughs> and then yeah, I, and yeah. I'm just sitting there like. Motherfucker! <laughs> but see that—that's and- hilarious, yeah. Because because you know only 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 black men could understand this conversation. You know <laughs> what I mean? And and even though we aren't saying the word, I completely feel where you're coming from. You know what I mean? And mm. that 
that bond having never met each other face to face. And this is the first time that we've actually had a conversation and we can relate on how we feel based off of this, based off of this commonality, and yeah. just, you know, <laughs> what, what bonds us, you yeah. know what I mean? But, so, but, I've, uh, but I, I want Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I have thoroughly replaced the N word with motherfucker. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, are you you said a Samuel Jackson motherfucker, or do you have your own t- your own spin on it, or it, it, like it, how how it just it just comes the way it comes. I'll be like motherfucker. <laughs> 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 all right. So you so you all right. So do you think you rival a Samuel Jackson? Like if you had a motherfucker. Um, we had a motherfucker off. He beat you. Yeah, what he? What, yeah, <laughs> a motherfucker, motherfucker off. Yeah, does he beat you or do you do you pull it out? Because you know, I don't know. I, I think he has me. I think he he is the supreme motherfucker. I mean, he even was in a movie to where he had a wallet that said "bad motherfucker" on it. And, yes, and then, yeah, but then the movie with him and um with uh the hitman body the hitman's bodyguard. Oh. He, he took his he took his motherfucker to the next level. And see, so. and then he even transcended that with like the wallet motherfucker. And then he does commercials to where he talks about credit cards. And the tagline for that is what's in your wallet. And I can see him <laughs> reaching into his wallet and pulling that big motherfucker out to grab his card. So, I mean, it's all <laughs> on different levels and everything. <laughs> Yo, that just shows you how powerful black men are, man. That you can, you can absolutely... Um, you could absolutely, you know, take a movie uh, and, and not be our calling card just based off of that movie, which is crazy, you know? Yeah. Because he, it, that all, it, it all stemmed from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And him in that, in that living room with those, uh, with those white kids and, mm-hmm. and him saying, say another word, you and, know? And, and filled and Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, but yeah, that that king part where I just wanted, to, I just wanted to change the vernacular of how we address each other, and, and hopefully, um, you know, a couple kids who watch and enjoy the movie don't say the word anymore unless they get mad or they're on the podcast, you know. Um, <laughs> and go from there. All right, fifty-six minutes and seventeen seconds. Um, I put the silence emoji again. There was a bit of silence in there. I forget for whatever reason, but it was there. Uh, fifty-eight minutes flat. Damn, King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to. Uh, I got a chuckle out of that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean that's a, that was a private moment and he let that slip, you know. So mm-hmm. that was fine. Mm-hmm. All right, fifty nine minutes and thirty seconds. Um, I forget the exact scene, but I think um it was setting. It was like supposed to be night or something like that but it was bright as fuck outside and I put uh, it's daytime as fuck <laughs> <laughs> and then I got um, oh okay oh you're talking about before they go to the uh, Barclay Center yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it was supposed to be well, in the I mean, evening or whatever after work and it was like bright as shit outside <laughs> yeah but I mean um, it's movie magic so you can't yeah. you know we have to suspend, suspend our disbelief or something all right, Ford, uh, we had an hour, five minutes, and 50 seconds. I have uh, Goku and Vegeta doing the fusion dance. I think this is where they reveal about the twins and the fusion with the rings and all that. Mm-hmm. All right, got you. And then one hour, six minutes, and 40 seconds. I put swerve, and then I got a gift of Tracy Morgan doing plot twist. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I like to. I'm not sure if you're familiar with my uh, my 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 earlier work, um, but I don't really like movies that have happy endings. So yeah, I've heard. I kind of, yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of uh, like to 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 you know that's just the South Korean movie influence. You know, South Koreans rarely have a happy ending in their action picks, especially their action movies. So. Um, that's just what I want to do. In America, we are geared to constantly believe that the, you know, um, the bright side of things always happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to throw the audience off a bit with, um, a different type of, um, a, a different type of ending. Yeah. And if, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I got you. And then we had an hour, eight minutes and 19 seconds. What fight is that? <laughs> Uh, yo, we went to um to the Keith Thurman. Uh, it was uh, Keith Thurman versus uh, Sean. Um, no, Keith Thurman versus Danny Garcia. Oh, okay. So we were trying to figure out how do we incorporate going to the Barclays Center into the movie. You know what I mean? We when you when you want to make a splash, you try to do everything possible to um to to show that you are innovative. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we couldn't get permits to go to the Barclays Center, but you know, cell phones are yeah. a way to I see what you know, get big, get get big budget looks. So what we had is uh, it, it was a huge budget, you know, cost for the for the, for the movie. Um, meaning me being a producer, <laughs> you had to buy tickets for everybody, and I'm a huge fight fan. I actually went, I actually used to box, so. Um, I think well, what better way to incorporate, you know, go and see the fight, uh, rap, you know, congratulating the fellas on wrapping this movie up and also using the footage in the movie, um, and to, to, to go to the Barclays Center to see one of my favorite boxers, Keith Thurman, uh, put shoes to Danny Garcia that night. Okay. Um, I, I have, I've had guests on the show that have some, participated in many combat sports like uh mma freaking uh you know boxing and everything like that and i'm asking you the same question that i asked them what compels you to want to get punched in the face <laughs> <laughs> and well i grew up in queensbridge project so there's this whole there's always a machismo component or, or oh, okay or competitive edge um i played football and i grew up in boxing you know all my family um my 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 uncles were boxers. They fought in the Golden Gloves, and you know when you grow up and everybody's watching, you know Sugar Ray Leonard versus Marvin Hagler mm-hmm. or Sugar Ray versus Tommy Hearns on HBO, and they all go to you know a house in Brooklyn to watch the fight. Or you growing up on Mike Tyson, you know you just want to see what they feel. You know what I mean? And um, I've lost a couple fights, uh, but I won much more than I lost. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but people think that fighting is all about brute force. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's thinking. Strategy. It's not, I mean, you being a military man, you know that you can put a, a million missiles in one location, but you know, there's more than just, you know, blowing shit up in the military. There's yeah. more than just fighting. And, um, you know, I just always wanted to do it and I did it and I'm able to reflect on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe I think almost a year ago, uh, I, I had a fight in the gym. Um, this, uh, this dude was a cop and, um, 
we had a fight and I, I, I hit him with a nice one too in the beginning, started admiring my work. And then after that, the dude put the shoes to me and it, it gets the juices flowing. You know what I mean? That you still get a chance to be able to defend yourself in that way. It's a, it's different. I guess it would be how people feel about guns, which I don't, I don't like guns at all. I think that guns are terrible, but I do know on a cultural way to be able to, you know, go hunting is how I feel about boxing. You know what I mean? But, I just don't put the, I, I just feel like it takes more energy to box than it does to pull the trigger, if that makes sense. Yeah, I got you. All right. Mm-hmm. One hour, 14 minutes, 23 seconds. Come on, breathe, baby Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to give too much of the story yeah. away, so I'll just, I'll just let that we'll go. we just let it go at that, but like that line mm-hmm. yeah. in itself was just like. <laughs> <laughs> to me, <laughs> uh, that's, you know, Tony, um, Tony Laurent, his name was Anthony Laurent. Um, him being, uh, I, I met him. He's a frat brother of mine, so um, you know, we bonded based off of being frat brothers. But you know, he's just a great actor, and um, to see him, you know, give it his own on that on that scene was great. Mm-hmm. And then I had to pause it at some point here because I noted that, and uh, I believe this is when I was leaving a certain place to go home. <laughs> so I paused it there. Then I got home and I watched the rest of it. Now I put, um, I'm all done. Go watch. And then I put another link to your movie there at the end. And that was my whole viewing experience of, and there were four. <laughs> oh man. Thank you so much Rob, for giving us a chance, man. So I, you know, usually people don't get that far and, you know, for you to document the process, Makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, overall, I thought it was a good movie, and then I mean, it could go either way because I mean, you could have dove into either world a little bit more, and it could have been its own thing. And um, you could have had two movies if you wanted to. But I mean, yeah, no, that's what we're doing. So at the end of the movie, you'll see the the executive say that we have five, five already in the, in, the, in the can. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're we're doing. Um, we're, we're doing the preliminary work for part two. Um, hopefully like we talked about someone listening to this podcast, they look at the movie and then they see, you know, the benefit of trying to, uh, do a part two, but we're going to stay exclusively in the comic book world for part two. Mm-hmm. And we have, we're going to explore, you know, militant's wife, um, his twins and all the other things, um, thrill. Uh, coming back and um, you know that's how it's going to be explored but we're not going to go into the real life world anymore we're going to go completely into the comic book world cool and then like from what I remember of uh, your interview on the Co 45 podcast I think they were both on that same train as well as like they wanted more of the comic book world rather than the real world aspect we'll we'll be able to do it now because you know obviously we, we you know, hopefully we can get a couple more dollars and we know, like a lot of that, even though I feel very good about the fight scenes, yeah. I feel confident that my fight scenes live up or match up to uh, big production works, you know, not, not on a, on a movie level, but yeah. on a, on a WB, you know, mm-hmm. Arrow or, or, or Marvel, you know, or, or Marvel Netflix. I feel like my fight scenes and, and the action scenes live up to those. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we know completely what we're doing, 
Um, a lot of it was basically touch and go while we were shooting it. Um, we had an idea what the shot list would be, but that wasn't what happened when we got on set. Yeah. <laughs> but now that we know fully what we're doing in terms, because that was the first time I've ever directed an action, any action scenes, and I did the fight choreography. So, you know, now that I know completely what I need, mm -hmm. part two will be absolutely better. I have better fight scenes than those. Okay, so uh, how was that power slam that you took? <laughs> <laughs> yo, people don't realize that, yo. Uh, I'm a huge wrestling fan, so I was happy that I was able to take it, um, but I was not happy that it was on concrete. <laughs> I would have much rather it be in the ring. Uh, um, but when you grow up when when you grow up watching ECW um, as well, you're happy to take those bumps uh, on concrete as well because you know what they had to go through in order for them to to be you know extreme championship wrestling. Yeah. So that power slam, the people don't realize that that was me who got kicked in the face. Um, <laughs> I'm also the one who got Stone Cold Steve, I mean, Stone Cold Stunnered uh, in the warehouse. Um, I got arm tore. So I, 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 we didn't, I didn't know who had, of the actors, I didn't know who had insurance or not. Yeah. And I have insurance. So um, I, I put the mask on and just went into taking all the bumps um, so that we don't, so any, so, the, so that the regular actors didn't get hurt doing yeah. it. But sacrifices me, for your I, art. I had, yeah, I had a whole new appreciation for stuntmen and wrestlers after it was all said and done. Hell yeah. I mean, I, I felt that pain as well. Uh, I got a minor in professional <laughs> wrestling, so I, I've been through the paces as, and it, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I mean, it's great because you'll get the feel of the crowd, but, you know, day in and day, people don't realize that those dudes are on the road. Mm -hmm. like 280 days out of the year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Up and that, down, that, up and that, down. Yeah, and they're on a plane and, you know, that, that shit is like the circus, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you don't realize that, you know, you're taking bumps more than football players because even the football players get a little rest. Mm -hmm. But they, these these wrestlers don't. You know what I mean? They got to put on the same show uh, day in and day out um, in these arenas and that's no joke. Yeah. But man, I'm glad that you um, was able to, you know, fulfill, you know, something that you had in your head, you know, creatively. And, you know, I think that's what it is with people who have some creative type of talent that they want to get what's in their head out into the world. Out, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to say, I mean, I'm just glad you were able to um, have that opportunity to get, you know, all that shit out your head, man. <laughs> Yeah, man, uh, a lot of people don't get their chance to do that, man. And that's what I was telling, that's what I was referring to earlier when I say rich, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, in there before, you know, it doesn't make a, it doesn't, Amazon, you know, play rates are, the pay is low. But when you say rich and you're doing what you want to do, that is rich, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to necessarily culminate into to a monetary game. I would love for it to happen because that would help me get my two ladies you know, yeah. my, my threesome action on, I would love for that to happen. But, um, until that happens, you, you get rewarded in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to just to get it out. Cause a lot of people, if you can't get it out, that's that, that breeds frustration. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just feel lucky and fortunate that I was able, I was able to be one of the people who get a chance to get what I have in my mind.
out and you get to see it, you know. And sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it does, but at least it was out there to be judged, you know, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Giggity goo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so y'all are talking about doing a part two, but um, yep. do you have anything else in the works as far as um, outside of uh, and yeah. Yeah, we um, I just finished a documentary called Regularly Scheduled Programming. I'm very excited because we're actually doing a focus group on that on, on December 20th in Harlem. And I take very serious um, the, the imagery of black men and, 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 and black you know people. And the, the documentary explores how we're being, you know, the imagery that we see, we know how other races are viewing us. You know what I mean? We know how an Asian person sees a black person. We know how a uh, white person sees a black person. We know how a, a Latin person sees a black person based off of this imagery. But we do, we do not realize how this imagery is, is making us look at each other in negative light. So regularly scheduled programming is, it discusses how TV, music, and media has influenced us to to um look at each other negatively and that that documentary is done and i submitted it to film festivals and i'm looking forward to seeing you know if we get accepted or not and then we're also doing um a comedy um in in the first half of the year and then filming and then we're for part two in the, in the in the in the last half of the year so i'm excited about 2019 hopefully Trump doesn't blow this place up <laughs> so I get a chance to get <laughs> I get those ideas out before um, you know the end of the world commences so we go from there you know yeah or you just don't happen to be in an unfortunate place with a hood on or some shit so I hope that don't happen <laughs> <to you. laughs> but, yeah and I'll, 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 I'll email you the trailer for regular scheduled programming that way you'll see exactly what I'm talking about Ooh, and um you know, hopefully if you like that, we get a chance to come back here and discuss, um, you know, this imagery. Well, shit, man. I mean, uh, as per today, you have a uh, car blanche to come back anytime you want, my friend. Thank you, man. I appreciate the opportunity that you, you know, that you're giving me. And, um, yo, this conversation uh, was awesome um, in every sense of the imagination. And um, I appreciate, like I said, just the opportunity and just to chop it up with somebody who I, I can feel their energy over the phone, man. And, and you have a great, you know, a great energy um, in conversation. The same day when I met Brandon and Randy, they had a great energy. Makes me want to, you know, reach out to them and see how they're doing. Um, not just, you know, be on their show, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, and it, I appreciate that thing. Yeah, I appreciate you as well, man. And then um, also on another note, I do another podcast called Wrestling is Trash to where it's all just professional wrestling talking. If you ever feel the Yo, urge. Yo, bro, blame me on that, man. <laughs> I, oh, so you you had a, a great appreciation for Chelly Branch and then Arn Anderson when I came out the game. I did not even know that you had a wrestling podcast, man. No, nah, you got to bring me on that, man. Oh, yeah. One of my bucket items is to go to a WrestleMania, and they have WrestleMania coming up in, in New York oh. uh, in April. You so better definitely, go. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really like the new guys, you know what I mean? I, and, and by saying that, I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've never been to a WrestleMania, and, um, and I'm talking about I was in New York City in 85 during the first WrestleMania. Yeah. And to never 
have been to any of them and this being the 35th, you know, it's just, I have to go. Yeah, it, it's, it's well it. worth the experience, man. Even if you get like a nosebleed seat or whatever for like 25, 40 yeah. bucks or whatever, I mean, it's still worth the, the, the fun to go. You'll be surrounded by so many wrestling fans, good and bad, but um, mm-hmm. it's just an experience, man. I've been, I was fortunate enough to go to three and um oh man where'd you go which ones you go to um I went, because i i was pissed that they have one I, i've never been to at&t stadium i hate the cowboys i don't watch football right now mm-hmm. but i always wanted to go to cowboy stadium i went i'm gonna probably go if they have the um if they have the earl Errol spence fight the Errol versus monkey Mark garcia mikey garcia mm-hmm. fight if they have it at cowboy stadium i'm definitely going to see that fight um there yeah. yeah, so i'll get a chance but how was, did you get a chance to go to the WrestleMania at Cowboy Stadium? Yes, I did. And that place is massive. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, Rob, I cannot tell you how much I regret not buying a ticket and going to it there. Like, I, my daughter, my daughter lives in Houston. So, you know, uh, I'm, I, I go to Texas. Um, I have gone to Texas frequently, but, I always wanted to go to see a WrestleMania at AT&T Stadium. And I was so mad that I missed it and didn't go to that one. Well, shit, man. I'm I'm jealous of you. Well, shit, man. Uh, we all here in Houston. Uh, me, freaking Randy, Brandon, all of us. So if you come oh, back Oh, you're in Houston. Oh, yeah. man. That's crazy. That's where I met them at Comic Palooza. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, the, the, the movie show that Comic Palooza and they were there. That's where I met them. Yeah. So, I mean. My, my daughter lives in, um, in Cyprus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I used to live out there too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, you come back through here. We all gonna have to get together and um, well, it could be a two on two now, yeah. so you you don't get jumped this yeah. time. <laughs> we gotta go to Papa Do's, man. We gotta go to Papa Do's and get some uh, some crawfish and and and, and fried everything. That's all they have at Papa. <laughs> fried everything. <laughs> and, and, and the sweetest and the sweetest lemonade that your uh, diabetes um can can handle. Yeah. You know? Yeah, can I get a plate of your fried everything, baby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your fried everything with a, with a side of, of, of sugar sugar and sugar beverage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just like so, um yeah, you come through here to be a two on two so you don't get jumped this time. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to going back um for the rematch to get and 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 now that I got a tag team partner. We can we can fight for the SmackDown fight. If I SmackDown, are you a SmackDown dude or a Raw dude? I'm digging SmackDown, but I watch them both. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, bring me back on the wrestling show, man. But we, my 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 knowledge base is, is earlier times. I can give you some some Roman Reigns and and um you know stuff like that now, but uh and Charlotte Flair and and Ronda Rousey, but my knowledge base is, is definitely earlier stuff. Bruiser Brody. Uh, I'll do with a bunch of calls. Oh, yeah, uh, all of those people. So, yeah, let me know when you're ready to have that show. All right, for sure, for sure. Um, before we go ahead and ride out, man, we'll, uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Um, you can find me on Instagram on Life with Say, uh, and um, that's L I F E W I T H S A Y. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at, at Saquon Jones. And, um, yeah, those, I'm, I'm heavily into social media. So, um, as you can see, me conversing with you and getting in contact with you 
All they have to do is hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, and I'm right back at them. For sure. And um, I, all right. As I as I said before, man, you you're always welcome to come back. I'm gonna definitely get you on the wrestling show so we can chop it up over there. But um, that's it, my man. <laughs> Thank you very much, Rob, man, and, and to all your fans. I hope you guys go out and see. And there were four. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I have a previous work. Love isn't enough, and I just want to say thanks again for you guys for listening. And once again, Rob, I'm not going to say this anymore before I hang. I mean, this is the last time I'm going to thank you <laughs> before I hang up. I feel like I thanked you so much. Yeah. Uh, that you're, I don't want your head to get blown up. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, thank you for having me on the show tonight, and I appreciate it. Um, and look forward to the rest of your show, man. And that was Saquon Jones. <laughs> Who? Quan Jones. Who? Quan Jones. <laughs> but yeah, um, actor, stuntman, producer, director, writer. He, he, man of uh, many talents and um, his contributions to the world um, is to give us, you know, better forms of entertainment, the form of entertainment we deserve, you know, and um, also with his all his acclaim, his accolades and everything, he um, desires to build up enough clout to have uh, groups of women offer him threesomes and foursomes and everything like that. So um, if you want to support uh, Mr. Jones's dream, go if you have Amazon Prime, uh, go ahead. You can watch his movies for free. Uh, and there were four and love isn't enough. Um, also, you know, throw the man a couple bucks his way so he can make bigger and better things, more movies, you know, with that uh, authentic point of view that he has and everything. And if you if you heard my um retranscription of um you know I, I live tweeted his movie um and there were four um well live as I was watching it and everything so and you know as I said I was at work and you know I ain't trying to dime myself out again once again um so I was limited in you know as much attention as I could give it but you know for what I retained from it you know we discussed and I really enjoyed it it you know you can always have your nitpicks and all kind of other things like that. But at the end of the day, are you making movies? Are you out there, you know, directing and producing and writing and, you know, putting your vision out for the world to see? So before you start to being, you know, all knee deep and nitpicky on somebody else shit, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> It's um, almost 2019. This is the last Random Rambles with Rob before we um, journey into the new year. So um, as I start to say now, what what I'm telling you all that may be listening is uh, resolutions. Is, they're good to have, I guess. But your, your resolution shouldn't be defined for one day a year. And what I mean by that is uh, you shouldn't be going through your 364 days talking about all right you know i'm messing up this day so you know it's almost next year you know i can start over fresh and nah nah you improve and you make goals for yourself daily you try to improve daily because nothing is going to happen overnight you know when the clock strikes midnight on the 31st and uh we heading to 2019 you're not going to be 
that thing that you made the resolution to do. You're not going to lose the weight that you chose to lose. You're not going to daggone quit smoking in that instance when the ball drops. You're not going to daggone be a better person when that ball drops. It's going to take that 364 days to achieve those goals. It's not going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in a week. It may not happen in months. It could take a whole another year or maybe even more. So every day that you have within that 365, you should be taking those minutes, seconds and hours and months, weeks and days to try to make yourself better. Fuck resolutions is what I'm saying. Be better every day. Be a better person. And um, what I would also encourage you to do within the new year is uh, pursue, you know, I'm not going to sit here, sit here and pursue your dreams. You should always do that. But like whatever you feel drawn to creatively, pursue that, you know, whether it is, you know, starting trying to start a podcast or maybe even, you know, becoming a better public speaker or conquering that fear of public speaking or, you know, maybe you want to write a book, you know, pursue those small things, pursue those things that have been stuck in the back of your mind for days, weeks, months and years, but you never really, you know, lip head first toward it, you know, start doing those. If you want to make a resolution, start there and every day from that day, you know, fuck resolutions, revolutions or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Just take every day at a time and strive within those minutes, seconds, hours or whatever to make yourself better all the time. Every time. 364, five. <laughs> but that's enough of my positive ramblings and musings. Um, once again, Amazon Prime, you can watch this movie for free. Um, if you can't, uh, if you don't have Amazon Prime, um, you can get a 30 day free trial if you go to randomrobcast.com and use my links <laughs> and um, you can watch it free that way. But most importantly, just throw the man a couple bucks. It's like you can rent it for two, three dollars and you can buy it for, I think, like five or six. I mean, that's almost less than a value meal or right on par with a value meal, which you really don't need to eat every day of value meals. I mean, I mean, you need to eat something every day, but not value meals from McDonald's or Burger King, whatever your fast food delicatessen of choice, you know. So, um, yeah, support the cause. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at it's B Rob. That's I T S B R O B. If you want to talk professional wrestling and general shenanigans, that's the place you do it. Um, you can also follow this show on Twitter at three R show. Um, I'm also co-hosting with the lovely Mrs. B Rob on our own show called the real Robinsons, but it's the real Robinsons. If you want to follow it on Twitter or Instagram. We got a new episode coming out. Um, we chose day of Wednesday to release. We didn't hadn't ha- we didn't have one as of this recording this past Wednesday because of the holiday and everything. And then um, I also host Wrestling is Trash. It's not as consistent as um, the Real Robinsons or the Random Rounds with Rob. Is whenever I have the time to do it. When I'm not doing the other two things and all the work that I do in my personal life and yada 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 yada. But it's there. You can go to wrestlingistrash.com and listen to all 14 episodes that are out so far. 
And um, speaking of randomrobcast.com, you can go to randomrobcast.com and find many different ways that you can help support the show and help it grow. You can buy merchandise from my merch store at wehavemerch.com. You can find the links for that on randomrobcast.com. You can find those aforementioned Amazon links on randomrobcast.com. You can become a patron if you want to support the show monetarily. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month at randomrobcast.com. You can find those patron links on there. Just click the button, sign up, and you get some cool rewards. And uh, Miss Lily Toussaint, if you're listening right now, one of our newer patrons to the show, um, I'm trying to email you so I can get some information from you so I can send you some cool patron stuff and whatnot. So uh, hit me up. I know you reached out to me on Instagram, which you can follow the show on Instagram as well. Just look up the random rounds with Rob and you find me. I would also dub it at three R show on Instagram, but there's a punk motherfucker on there that has an account that goes by the name of three R show. And that summer bitch only got two posts on there. And he won't relinquish the fucking name. He don't post. So I don't know what the fuck that motherfucker do. I try to DM him. The uppercut that motherfucking tank. Anyway. And um, I think that's it. Got a, a lot of fumes up out of me. Rolling into this new year. But uh, we got some uh, new episodes coming up. Um, I'm starting a book for January. If you're listening. If you want to be a guest on the show. Hit me up baby. We can do some things. We can talk about some stuff. And um, that's it. I'll see you next time, next year. Yay! Happy New Year!